Hello and welcome back to another episode of Practically Speaking. As ever, I'm joined again by Amy Roost, a director in Harney's Fiduciary. Hi there, Amy. Hi, Rachel. It's you and me again today. We're going to have a chat this time about the topic of de-enveloping. Yeah, de-enveloping is definitely one of those legal terms that a lot of people are mystified by. So I'm hoping that we can uh, do a bit of plain English analysis of what it actually means and uh, what people can do practically. So I'm interested in this one. Oh, good stuff. Well, I, I must admit, when someone first mentioned de-enveloping to me, I was thinking of big, thick brown envelopes and didn't really understand what on earth they were talking about. But put, put very simply, it's used generally in the context of holding structures and residential or commercial property. So a typical holding structure for real estate is often an individual or group of individuals owning shares in a BVI company and that BVI company is the registered holder of some land whether it's a residential property, a flat or a, a house or perhaps it's a commercial building. Another structure might have a trust on top rather than a group of individuals. So essentially it's a it's a holding structure for assets and really de-enveloping comes up in the context of property more than anything else but it, you could talk about it in the context of of de-enveloping a yacht or some artwork or some other asset that somebody has. So what are the different ways to achieve de-enveloping? Well that's an interesting one. There are a number of different ways and which method you use or choose to use is, is usually driven by the tax advice that is, is given to the ultimate beneficial owners or perhaps the trustees at the top of the structure. The three main ways uh, in which you can take a property out of a BVI company, simple sale or transfer of that property to someone else, come across that quite regularly. Uh, you might have a buyer of a property who doesn't want to have the holding structure, so they'll just buy the property straight out in the, the normal way that you and I would buy a house. So a, a, a transfer. So it can be a transfer for money or perhaps uh, in a particular restructuring situation, the advice might be to transfer the property by way of a gift. So that, that's possible as well. The other two ways involve a distribution or, or a dividend. And quite often people will talk about income dividends or capital dividends. And, and usually that makes a lot of people sort of glaze over because they're not sure of what the difference is between the two. But I think if we, without delving into the whole world of distributions and dividends, etc., I think we can explain quite simply by the timing of when the company distributes the property. So if I've got an existing company, and I'm going to distribute or de-envelope the property to my shareholders by way of a dividend while the company's still in existence. So that, that's a way in which it could be done. The other way, and this kind of links back to what we were talking about the other day about liquidations and winding up companies properly, um, might be where the company's put into a solvent liquidation which means that a liquidator has been appointed. So the directors no longer have any powers, but liquidators in place. 
and it is the liquidator who takes the decision to distribute the property to the shareholders or to such other person as the shareholders direct so you might have mum and dad as the shareholders uh, and their advice might have been right the best people to hold these property are actually your grown-up children so as part of the liquidation, the liquidator could distribute that property directly to the children at the direction or on the authority of, of those shareholders. So really, those are the, the three ways, a gift, a dividend, shall we say, and then a liquidation distribution. Interesting. So going back to our strike off versus liquidation podcast that we did recently, we talked about kind of the, the powers of entities I'm just conscious that there was a kind of a license fee there is a license fee deadline coming up so I just wanted to talk about actual timings for this if people are thinking about this live now am I right in thinking that entities would have to be in good standing in order to achieve this de-enveloping Absolutely. They, they do need to be in good standing. The directors and shareholders still need to be able to take, take decisions to start or, or take, carry through whatever process it is that they want to do. But um, actually timing is a, is a good thing to talk about because when people are advised to put a company into liquidation and distribute as part of a liquidation, they generally say to me, oh my goodness, you know, how long is that going to take? You know, months, years, you know, it could, could go on forever. And, and the reality is that if people are on the ball and do things properly and efficiently, you should be able to get a property out of the company and complete a whole liquidation. So completely close down, and wind up the company properly within about a six to eight week period. And interestingly, whilst the whole liquidation could take six to eight weeks, and we're going to do a separate podcast talking about liquidations anyway, in terms of process and things like that. But in terms of taking the property out itself, that can be done reasonably quickly, probably within about a week or two of the company being placed in liquidation. So it can be fairly quick. But the important thing, as we highlighted last week, is company needs to be in good standing. You can't have let it fall out of good standing and be withering on the vine. The directors don't have any powers when the company's in that sort of suspended state. Get the company back into good standing and then we can proceed whichever of the three methods you want to do to de-envelope. So what would be the next steps for an entity that has decided that this is the course of action that they want to take? Well, really, the key steps are to make sure that you've got fulsome and, and helpful tax advice. So you are taking the de-enveloping steps in the right order at the right time and having some consciousness of where you are in the tax year, because that might be relevant. The other key point is that you might need to have a little look about how the property was funded in the first place, because there may be shareholder loans or other debt that needs to be dealt with prior to the de-enveloping process to minimise any adverse consequences for the UBOs in, in doing the reorganisation. So really it's get proper advice, know what you want to do, know what your options are, and then the process itself is pretty quick and easy. Brilliant. Thanks very much. That's really interesting. Hopefully it's demystified the de-enveloping for you, Amy. <laughs> It has indeed. Brilliant. Well, look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks very much. Thank you.